full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. I got a bad feeling about this. You see, we're on a mission from God. Why, oh, why didn't I take the blue pill? Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Taking talk radio into a whole new dimension. This is the Don Johnson Show. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Don Johnson Show. My name is Don. Great to have you along on another beautiful Friday morning in Southern California. Brandon is usually here with me. He was uh, had a previous engagement that he had to be at this morning, so he can't be here this week. But that is all right. We are going, actually we're going to go right to the phones. We have a uh, caller on the line. Henry is a member of the Baha'i Faith. And I don't know that much about him, and so we'll uh, we'll find out what the Baha'i Faith is all about. It's the first time, I believe, we've had a member of the Baha'i religion on the show. So, Henry, welcome to the Don Johnson Show. Thank you. I don't know that much about the Baha'i Faith. So, Henry, it, now you're a convert, as far as I know. Tell us a little bit about right. what happened there and how you came to be a member of the Baha'i religion. Yes, well, I am from a nominal Christian background. My parents didn't really care much, as most people in that area. But I, um, I wanted something more solid, more something more uh, satisfying. And so I looked around, and I looked into evangelical Christianity, and I looked into other things too, but mainly that because it was available. And um, I saw that there was truth in it, but I was not getting my deeper uh, questions answered. So I kept looking, and eventually I came into contact with members of the Baha'i Faith, and there all the questions were answered. And I started studying the life of Baha'u'llah, the prophet founder of the Baha'i Faith, and I found his life very uh, interesting and, and his teachings very compelling, and I joined in, I think, 1992. Okay. Well, that sounds right up our alley, because we like to uh, talk about how the different worldviews answer the big questions of life. So tell us a little bit first about some of the questions that you were asking, and then how you saw evangelical Christianity not answering those questions, and then we'll move into the answers that the Baha'i Faith offered and, and what those are and how, why you think those are better. So first, I guess, what are the questions that you were asking? Well, to, to be uh, honest with you, I don't think you'll find my uh, explanation of this very uh, satisfying, because back then I wasn't really thinking clearly. But what really uh, was troubling for me was not so much the fact, the question itself, but the attitude from the clergy, from the ministers, and their dismissive, uh, hand-waving answers. So it's not really per se, the question that was not answered, but the attitude from the clergy that, um, and it, I'm sure it has changed recently in Christianity. I see, I followed um, the apologist William Lane Craig and James White, and I see that it's not that anymore, at least not with them. They try to answer. But back then it was just, oh, you have to believe us. It was basically an appeal to authority and a dismissal, hand-waving dismissal of any concern about uh, deeper questions and unwillingness to, to deal with them. Interesting. Okay. And so that basically was it. And, I, and I'm sure, it, or maybe not, it has changed. I, I'm, I, I listened to your uh, 
uh, podcast, and I know you are very willing to answer, and there are other apologists likewise. So that has changed, I'm sure. Yeah, I think you're right. I think uh, I think there has been a more uh, willingness to uh, to try to address the questions, and hopefully that continues to grow. Because uh, yeah, that's unfortunate if you get the hand waving. Yeah, that's that's no good in any religion. Okay, but so you went, uh, you found some members of the Baha'i faith, and they were willing to address those questions. Yes, yes, and they were open to any sort of critical inquiry, and they were never dismissive, never uh, making you uh, feel preached to, and uh, you were a partner, and and you were able to. Uh, talk about anything at any level and you would always find somebody willing to talk with you respectfully great now again so okay so what questions were you asking them as far as searching for religions what what kind of questions did you think they came up with good answers for for instance the inspiration of the holy writings where certain holy writings are inspired and others are not the issues of salvation and what is the true religion and uh, how do all religions fit together. Those are two of the main ones. Okay. Now, how to live, how to live, for instance, and, sure. and what is your f- source of authority? Okay. Now, as you know, if you've listened to a little bit of, the, of our show, we're a worldview show. We like to compare different worldviews, and we generally do it on a level of what I consider the big questions of life. Uh, how did we get here? Why are we here? What's gone wrong with the world? How should we then live? Uh, is there a solution to the problem? What happens when we die? I assume that you explored these questions with your teachers in the Baha'i religion. Correct. Yeah. Okay, now I'm interested. So how does the Baha'i faith answer those big questions of life? And I can repeat them if you want, but for instance, how, how did we get here? What's the uh, purpose of our life? What's gone wrong? You know, why is there evil? Uh, those kind of questions. Okay, how we got here, we are creationists in a certain sense. Not not in the common sense, but we believe in a, in a, we are deists, as, as most Christians and Muslims and Jews and Zoroastrians. We believe that the universe was created, was a creation of God who wants to establish a relationship with the conscient creation uh, or the conscient part of the creation, which on this planet is us. Okay. We don't have a concept of fall. That is not part of our, of Baha'u'llah's teachings. So that is a difference if, if you want to put it that way. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that... What other question? Oh, yeah. well, what uh... happens when we die? Is this... Sure. That's a good one. You want to wait, or you want me to answer right now? Um, you. Well, you know what? Let, so let me. Uh, so if there's no fall, let's uh, let's address that. There's no, um, you know, rebellion of the people. Is that right? Against is well, the, yes it, and no. Okay. The, it, 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 actually, there is a fall, but we explain it different, or Baha'u'llah explains it differently. Basically, he teaches the dual nature of humanity. We have a spiritual nature and a animal lower nature. And they're always fighting with each other. And due to the teachings of God and consciousness um, of God, which I think is very close to Romans chapter 2, we all know deep in our hearts that we, uh, we are creatures of God and that we are called to a higher standard. 
and uh, basically the teachings of the prophets are to encourage humans to uh, to um, live spiritually and detach ourselves from our animal nature. Okay, so that dualism, uh, the two natures, would have always existed then. Well, maybe. I mean, it's not clear because uh, from the dawn of man, uh, maybe when we, if we accept evolution from animals, if from animals we became humans, then maybe then that's when it started that we were infused with a spiritual nature, and that's where the battle started. If you want to think it that way, yeah. I don't think that Baha'i teachings are that clear about that. Okay. So then, dealing with evil in the world, do they accept the existence of evil in the world as part of that lower nature? Yes. Evil is disobedience to the will of God. It's our living according to our natural desires, our material desires, and uh, disregarding the teachings of, of, of God. And um, it's not that different from, from Christian. I think it's very close to what Paul wrote in Romans. So then the solution to the problem is to, uh, we have free will to obey the spiritual nature? Is that, uh, or how, what's the solution to the problem, I guess? Well, going into free will, I haven't, I, I'm not sure about that myself. Unfortunately, I cannot read the original writings, so I have to depend on translations. And most are very good, some are not so good. Uh, we have official, that's one thing that's a little bit different from Christianity. We have official translations, which are done by scholars, and then we have a book, which actually is quite popular, which is Some Answered Questions, because it deals with the Bible a lot which unfortunately was not translated by a scholar. And so if you're lucky enough to go back to the original Persian, great. But if not, uh, we have to rely on this imperfect translation. Okay. So, yeah, again, I, and I, and I my don't, ignorance shows. Yeah, well, I, I don't mean to put you on the spot as, a, as some sort of expert or anything. I, I know that you don't, uh, you don't claim to be an expert. I'm just trying to get some of the basics uh, because... Well, I mean, some worldviews, they see the problem as, of evil as more ignorance, and so education would be the solution. Some see evil as not really existing at all. It's an illusion. Christianity sees it more as a result of our choices to rebel against God. Uh, I'm just trying to... All of those are there. It would include all of those? Well, in a certain sense, evil does not exist because we consider uh, evil such as darkness, the absence of light, called the absence of heat. We also consider evil the result of uh, ignorant decisions, decisions that are informed by our lower nature. So education has a lot of uh, effect in, in, in fighting evil. But we also have to, every time we say uh, our daily prayers, we have to ask God for forgiveness and appeal to his mercy and grace. Okay, uh, so grace is also part of the solution then. God has to work in yes. us in some sense. Uh, right, at different levels. There is a, 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 at one level, grace is the revelation of the will of God through his prophets. So that's an act of grace, maybe the greatest act of grace in Baha'i theology. And then we have grace extended individually to people. Okay. Uh, and then uh, we were going to talk about what happens when we die. Yes. Resurrection is reinterpreted as um, the appearance of a prophet with a new revelation from God. That is when humanity 
arises to a new level. So there is no coming back to this world. Uh, it's, it's interpreted as, as a spiritual event. Okay, so we we continue to exist, but um, I'm not sure I caught what... As spiritual beings. As spiritual beings? As spiritual beings. Okay, and somewhere else, or...? Well, we're, actually, we're not coming back to this world, if that makes sense. So it's, an, it's like another level of existence, some, uh, but not here. Yes, sir. Okay, any other distinctions, uh, clarifications that... Uh... Yes, if you don't mind, sure. while we're here. Uh, it's not a pass-fail as in Christianity or Islam. Uh, there are gradations, so we believe in progression after death. And uh, is it sort of a sort of universalist in the sense that everyone will eventually uh, progress, or do some people not progress? Is there any sort of like a, any sort of concept of you know eternal uh, darkness that someone would be stuck in? Well, let me. This is how I understood it, and I could be wrong, but I think this is this should be close to to the teaching of Mahala. Basically, our spiritual nature and our material nature. At the moment of death, anything that is material ceases to exist. And our spiritual aspects continue to exist. And so the more spiritual we are at this moment, the more we are in the next life. And so there are people who are so materially oriented that very little of their existence goes to the next world. So they're they're almost midgets, if I, if, if I may say so. I'm, I'm using analogies, in other words, not sure. the words of Paola. And other people that are very spiritual and pass into the next life quite in doubt, closer uh, to God. Yeah, so there, there wouldn't be, uh, to the person who is very physical and not very spiritual, after they die, there's still some something left of them, but not much sort of thing. Correct. Yeah, it's an analogy, it's a metaphor, right? right? Okay. Any other of the major teachings that you would like to share with us in a, in a worldview sense? How Baha'i answers those big questions of life? Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm fairly ignorant myself. I'm certainly no expert on it, so I'm, I'm interested in learning. What other question would you like me to answer? Well, just anything that you've... These big questions. Yeah, that you find important. I mean, if you were on a, a, you know, you're on a journey uh, um, back in the 90s and you came to the Baha'i religion and... Were some of the answers just struck you as well? This is this is obviously true. This is or this is very important. I'm very you know glad that I now understand this truth about reality. Anything like that that you'd like to just share with the audience? I feel more connected to other people because it's not an us them, and that that helps me a lot. As Baha'is, we be, we believe we accept both the Quran and the, and the Bible and the Zentavesta, for instance. And so I see in this world actually how very useful uh, this approach is. Yeah, I want to considering to, today's affairs. I wanted to ask you about that. The relationship of the Baha'i religion to other religions. It seems, from what I understand, it accepts. Uh, the other religions. It's a very uh, oneness type of, of worldview. But I, I'm a little confused because 
help me understand how the Baha'i religion relates to other worldviews, if you could. It, I'm a little right, confused yeah, on that. It is confusing. It is confusing because many criticize us saying, well, all these religions disagree, so how can you believe they're all the same? Actually, we're not saying that. Baha'u'llah says they come from the same source. But then history kicks in, and actually Baha'u'llah's teachings are very clear in that often the teachings of the founders are lost, misunderstood, reinterpreted, adapted to political gain, and stuff like that. So the source is the same of all major religions, but that doesn't mean that in their present form they are what they should be, and, and, and they all teach the truth. Yeah, okay, so that, uh, on one hand, I have heard that, so that if, if we knew the original sources, they would all teach the same? Is that is that right? Not necessarily, not necessarily. Uh, another thing that, that they criticize us is when uh, Shoghi Effendi, who was the third leader of the, of the Baha'i community, says that uh, religious truth is relative, which by itself is self-refuting, but it's because the context was lost. The context is that there are aspects of the religious teaching that are culturally situated and make sense also only in a certain culture and if you move to a different culture a different historical period then they don't make sense and they have to be re-given by the prophets in that sense it's relative yeah i've also heard i mean so uh again this is it seems a little confusing but i've also heard that it's more of a progressive thing so this seems to be what you're saying there that that in one culture we had a teaching from god and then later on, we have a different teaching, but it's different because that culture was different. Is that am I closer? Yeah, we, am I we closer give to the analogy of the math school teacher and the grades. I mean, you know, first grade, second grade. I mean, in first grade they say the numbers are one, two, three, four, five, and then later on they start adding fractions and irrational numbers and so forth and so on. Yeah, I guess. I mean that the previous teacher was was lying. It just was teaching to the capacity. Yeah, I guess that's the confusing part because it does seem like the teachings, it's one thing to go from whole numbers to fractions. Those are rationally coherent. That's not it's not uh, like you said, it's not a self-contradictory thing to to have whole numbers and fractions. Mm-hmm. It's something different it seems to go from believing Jesus is God to you know Muhammad saying Jesus is not God, I'm not sure how those go together. That the the teachings of the various uh, worldviews. It's one thing for you know the the Eastern religions to teach that all is one and that we are ignorant. It's another to teach that no, all is not one. Where there is a great distinction between God and His creation, and these it seems to me are not as readily brought together in a coherent uh, package. Uh, so that that strikes me, and I think you already mentioned it, that that seems to be the most obvious objection people would have to the Baha'i faith, is that all of the religions, even if you were to account for some variations in the later teachings, they sure don't seem like they're a coherent whole, or that they are a development on a previous teaching based on the uh, the culture of the time. For instance, do you have? Yes I mean, no, I mean. Yeah, go ahead. It's clear the, project, the trajectory is clear if you go from Judaism to Christianity to Islam. So there you can see a trajectory. And you're right. If you go to the Eastern religions, then it's not as obvious. Then you need to do some further unpacking and 
and other kinds of reasonings. But I, I see that is in the West the, the largest objection. Of course, in, in Islamic countries, the objection is different. So each place you go, there are different objections according to what people care about. Yeah, what, what, uh, what is, what's the objection in the Islamic countries? What's their major issue? Well, they have their, their dogma of the finality of revelation. Okay, sure. So, Muhammad is the final. After, after the Muhammad and the Quran is, by definition, wrong. Right. So how do you answer that objection? So the Quran is clear that Muhammad is the prophet of God and the final one, and then the Baha'i religion says, no, there's more, more revelation coming. How do you answer the uh, Islamic objection? Actually, the Quran is not clear, saying that Muhammad okay. is the final prophet. Actually, it doesn't say so. It's, it's as I say, it's an Islamic dogma. So again, as in Christianity, you have to distinguish between the Bible and the thousands of different interpretations and adaptations to it. And the same thing you have to do in Islam. You have the Quran, and then you have the interpretations of the Quran. And, right. and you may be surprised how how different they are. I mean, just listen to the debates of James White where he actually uses the Quran and comes against a wall of, of interpretation by Muslims that doesn't even... Uh, so he's, he's in a bind because he uses the Quran, but then it doesn't resonate with his uh, Muslim opponents because they use not just the Quran, but the Ahadith and the Sunnah and all sorts of hundreds of years of interpretations layered on the Quran. Okay, so it seems like you've got two um, two levels of answers to the various other world views objections to the Baha'i, you say, on one level, we don't think you're interpreting your own prophet or religious uh, figure correctly, on one level. So the Christians who think yes. that Jesus said he was the only way uh, are misinterpreting him, and we've lost the true message there, and the Muslims are misinterpreting Muhammad, and I suppose, I suppose the Eastern religions are misinterpreting their original texts a little bit. And so on one level... Uh, you see yourselves as the uh, authoritative interpreter of all these various religious texts. So you're taking almost a theological uh, argument against the other religions with their own sources. And then the second one was that, well, I guess they go together. I was going to say that we just don't know. Uh, we've sort of lost uh, the message, but I guess that goes with the same one. Okay, so we should expect more prophets, uh, more revelation to continue then in the Baha'i religion. Is that correct? There'll, there'll still be more people coming? Oh, actually, the Baha'i religion will cease, and then a new one will be will arise in its in its place. Okay, so it's not we know so it's not finality of our own religion. We know our our religion is contingent. So the Baha'i uh, religion is the is the true revelation of God for this time and this yes, and this place. But um, down the road, there would be a new, uh, I guess, prophet. Huh? Is it mostly prophets that, that, I mean, these great religious figures, is that how God chooses to reveal? Well, in Baha'i terminology, we use the term manifestation. But if you want to use prophet, okay. it's, it's okay with me. Um, and so then, and then down the road the revelation of God might render, if you will, the current teaching of Baha'i somewhat irrelevant. I mean, not irrelevant, but it, it might change somewhat. I mean, is that correct? I mean, yeah. It, yeah. So there, yeah. Yeah. There, there could be a new, yeah, a new way. Is it, I mean, I'm trying to, 
because the religions are, I mean, on their face, regardless of how much you think the teachings have changed, I mean, on their face, they, they seem quite different. Uh, there could be a whole new way that God is, is relating to the world in the future. In, in a well, sense. Let, let's think about it this way. Christianity has the background in, in, in Judaism, right? So they clearly are two different religions, but we still consider them as Christians to be compatible, to be connected, to be one following the other one. That is analogous to the way that Baha'is understand previous religions. Now, tell me on what basis. So we've got uh, a religious seeker like you were um, in the past. You've got many religious seekers today, and they are searching around. And I assume the question they that you would agree that the question they should be asking about various worldviews is what is true about reality. I mean, the reason to become a member of the Baha'i faith would be because you are convinced that it is true. Uh, would you agree with me there? Well, uh, for me, yes, but actually for many Baha'is, many become Baha'is because they, they realize that it may be true or not, but for sure it, it's, it's the religion that will help the world out of its, its horrendous problems. It's useful. So maybe it's true, but for certainly it's it's useful. Yeah, that's an interesting um, distinction. Yeah. That I mean, I, I hear other religious people talk that way, but that that's always confused me a little bit. I mean, if it's not true, how useful is it? I guess, <laughs> and on what are you defining? It's just, it's just emphasis. Most Baha'is that I know about just just feel it true in their heart, and realized how good it is for the world that if more would embrace the teachings of Baha'u'llah. And that's at this level most of them operate. I'm just giving you a phenomenological yeah, so so, statement. Yeah, I'm wondering then, so my next question would be, are there reasons to believe that it is true in the sense that, it's, that it presents an accurate picture of reality, that it's describing the nature of reality correctly? Do uh, Baha'i members even concern themselves uh, with that question, then? Well, that's basically what I said. The majority, at least those that I know, have an internal conviction by reading the writings, and that's basically how it works. It, it, the experience comes from, from reading the writings of Baha'u'llah. So you read them, and you realize they're self-authenticated, and I'm stealing a term from, from Christians. They feel in their heart, they get convicted that these teachings come from God. And they also realize how good they are and how well they would serve humanity in this planet in being saved from, from disaster. Yeah, that, that and, seems and to me... And uh, the other one, basically. Yeah, that, I mean, that seems to me um, the same thing that the uh, Church of Latter-day Saints, their reason, you know, if you ask, why should I become a member of the LDS Church, a Mormon... They would say, I think exactly. I've been told exactly the same thing. Well, you read you read uh, Joseph Smith's writings, and you pray about them, and they are self-authenticating. Um, would, yeah, but the Mormon you... religion has lots of defeaters that the Baha'i faith doesn't have. I mean, that's that's just wishful thinking on their part, in my opinion. Now, okay, you're so right. they, we well, call it the same thing operationally. It's it's the same. You're right. Well, okay, but but the defeaters. What kind of defeaters would the Mormon faith have? Oh come on! You know them more than I do. Well, I'm just—that's <laughs> what I'm asking. If if you're if you're willing to allow for defeaters, things that make your faith untenable to believe, and I agree, I, I'm I'm with you that the Mormon faith does have many defeaters, but I'm curious as to 
uh, so you don't think there are any defeaters to the Baha'i faith? Otherwise, I wouldn't be a Baha'i. Yeah, okay, so that's interesting because it it clearly strikes me as uh, more than a little ahistorical and self-defeating as well. I mean, if you say the different religions are not self-contradictory, they can be unified, but we have to abandon all the teachings that we have of them, which is how it strikes me. I mean... How is that a well? Su- how is that a well supported? Uh, you know, if you're if you're willing to study history and study philosophy and study all these things, on what basis are we taking? And I'm sorry, I don't know how to say his name well, but the founder of the Baha'i faith. On what basis would wow, we say yeah. that? Thank you. Uh, on what basis would we say that he is all that much different than a Joseph Smith type guy? Okay. Uh, that that's a good question. Actually, I'm, I'm again stealing from uh, William Lane Craig, uh, if I understand him correctly. Basically, he says that most of the most of humanity is not able to go and have the internet to go to the library and uh, analyze all the different worldviews and stuff like that, and have even the intellectual tools, the philosophical tools to to work through them. And that for for most people, it's it's God's inner revelation. That is, he thinks it's a perfectly valid uh, point, and he uses it in, in when he debates atheists. It's one of his four or five points, and uh, I agree with him. But he and then he says, well, but of course there may be defeaters. So if there are defeaters, no matter how well you are convinced about your your inner witness, but it's 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 going to override that. And I think that is the case of the religions such as Mormonism. In Baha'i, we don't have, at least <laughs> as far as I know, defeaters. We 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 know the life of Baha'u'llah just as well as we know the life of uh, Joseph Smith, and even to compare them is 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 uh, well, okay, I don't want to go that way, but uh, we know the life of Baha'u'llah, what kind of life he led, and uh, he didn't do it for the money. Actually, he had more money when he started than when he ended. So. Um, basically, and what other defeaters can you come up with? I mean, uh, failed prophecies, uh, well, to incoherent me, teachings. Yeah, I uh, mean, the, the teachings have to be... The, nonsense. The teachings have to be coherent to me. What kind of me, defeater that's, would you accept? Exactly. So what kind of defeater would you accept? Well, I, mean, I just... For the Mormon faith, it's very obvious what they are. Well, the Mormon, I don't think, see, the Mormon faith, I don't think, allows for, I mean, the way they set up, and I'm no expert on Mormonism either, but the way they set up their defense of the faith is you pray about it and God will will affirm it. They don't, it doesn't matter to them that there's no archaeological evidence for children of Israel. It doesn't matter to them uh, that the miracles are unattested. I mean, all these, it doesn't matter because they prayed about it. So I thought, I mean, I was asking you if the Baha'i religion cares about that other stuff too, right? I mean, and if you care about defeaters, such as coherence and uh, historicity and this sort of thing, then is there intellectual support? I mean, William Lane Craig, although you're right, he does allow for, and it's usually the last point in his presentations, the uh, you yes. know the inner witness uh, of the Holy Spirit. He obviously has just spent his whole previous, you know, the rest of the lecture giving you historical, mm-hmm. philosophical uh, type of evidence sure. to support sure. the Christian sure. religion. 
So those two things have to go together, I would say. If you're just left with the self-authenticating, you know, I'll read it and pray about it, and all right, uh, then, I mean, then I don't have much left. But so if the Baha'i faith does allow for a study of history and philosophy and those kind of things to be a defeater, then okay, but I mean, does it? Is it? Is that all right? I mean, is that would they have a guy in the Baha'i religion like a William Lane Craig who is presenting a robust intellectual defense of the faith beyond the sort of self-authenticating uh, witness of the text? Okay, we are a small religion as far as numerically. We're between five and seven million, and most of our members are subsistence farmers. So we don't have not even close the resources that a religion like Christianity or Islam has in producing uh, uh, scholars such as William Lane Craig and James White. So that's one thing. Uh, another thing is that we have to do our own translations. We have to provide uh, safety for the holy sites and everything like that. So a um, great part of the energy of the faith is is uh, dedicated to, to these uh, very important subjects. Another thing is I probably was not very good in explaining myself, and I take the blame for that. It's not like the Mormons say, okay, you pray about it and see how you feel. It is reading the writings with an open mind and really trying to understand what they say and it's it and studying the life of Baha'u'llah himself, his biographies. That is what we usually point to. And then how the effect of the faith on for for solving the problems of humanity. So those are the things we point to is is the content of the writings and the life of Baha'u'llah. So right. we actually so if encourage I were... the study of history and philosophy and so forth. Uh, so yeah. So to the, to uh, to answer the question, why would I think that uh, Bahala is a, um, a a manifestation, a prophet from God? It would be look at his life and um, yes, and the writings. Uh, and when I'm lo- but when I'm looking at the writings, I'm looking for their effect on society more so or. Yeah, I guess it seems to me that the idea that all religions are one, I mean, obviously that's that seems to me to be the big no, the big stumbling it, block <laughs> in the sense that... That's why I tried to explain yeah, it. Yeah, no, I, I'm, 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 I know, I just, well. I, think it's, uh, I think it's hard to see coherently either how there are progressions... The one. Right, how they are... Again, I'm, I'm not doing a good job, I guess. Uh, no, I think you're what, doing, what I think you're doing fine. What teaches is that the source is one. The present manifestation, the present condition is not a, an indication of that. I mean, so for, so for example, when Jesus was God's revelation, did he say that he was the Jewish Messiah, that he is the Savior of the world, all of those things? Do you, do you think that's correct, or was that, what, what, I guess, what would be the essential Christian teaching then? Because you do accept that Jesus was a, a prophet, a manifestation, if I'm not mistaken? Correct. Yeah, okay, so what... Uh, what's the accurate understanding of Jesus according to the Baha'i religion? Well, I, I don't know if I can go with answer you accurate. Again, I'm, I'm confessing my ignorance. Well, that's, I mean, I'm just... But we accept, we accept Jesus as the manifestation of God for his time. And uh, Like everyone, you know, the religion of Jesus was that, I mean, the understanding of that, 
from the earliest time was that he was the Jewish Messiah, yeah. son of God. Which is even, yeah. Savior uh, of the world. That he's the Jewish Messiah is even in the Quran, so that's widely accepted. Although, Muhammad then, though, said, not God, not crucified for the sins of the world, right? So, is that no, is that an accurate... I disagree with that. Oh, so that's not... Okay, so that's not... What did, what did Muhammad teach about Jesus? Well, first of all, we don't know much about that. It's a historical... If, you, if you're asking a historical question, we don't know. If you're asking more of a religious question, then the Baha'i founders don't engage in historical analysis and exegesis and textual criticism and source criticism and all that stuff. They basically accepted the teachings for what they were at that time and tried to bring them together. Uh, to reinterpret them towards the next phase of humanity. Yeah, I mean, war it's, and, and, I mean... And, and hatred and strife. Right. I mean, what it strike it strikes me as what they are doing is, uh, you're, if if they're not engaging in textual criticism and all this other stuff with the text, but they're coming up with some understanding, they have to if they're going to say that Jesus is a is a prophet of, and Muhammad is a prophet, and Abraham and all the everyone, the Eastern He's religious leaders, too. yeah. I mean, if they're all prophets, yet the clear and obvious understanding of their teachings as their adherents understand them now is clearly not they don't understand them in a way that would fit together so it seems like not necessarily not necessarily it, it doesn't just say everything is corrupted and wrong no we don't say that yeah well e even if you didn't you'd still you're taking an authoritative view of some kind on these religious leaders in order to fit them into a baha'i world view uh so that I mean, I guess I, I'm not seeing on what basis you would um, have that authority. Well, but. but Christians do the same. Christians do the same, and Muslims do the same. We say that all the Old Testament is is a preparation for Jesus, and all the Old Testament prophets were talking about Jesus. If you ask a Jew, he's going to say exactly what you just said about Baha'i. So is it just everybody? Everybody has their own interpretation, and there's no way to really uh, evaluate between the the various ones. Yes and no. Basically, as I said, Baha'u'llah and Abdu'l-Baha, his successor and the Bab, uh, they are not engaged in doing exegesis, hermeneutics, textual criticism, and all that sort of stuff. That's not their job. They they are not there to do that. They 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 say, okay, that's up to us guys to do that. What they do is they realize Baha'u'llah realizes that uh, revelations from the past may or may not have reached us in in its original form. But anyway, his, his, his function is to erase from the books of old all the verses that cause strife and dissension and give a revelation that brings peace and unity and uh, harmony. So he's, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it strikes me that he's just kind of picking and choosing various uh, aspects of the different religions, uh, calling them together in a way uh, that... In well, which, in which he is the, humanity, in which he is the authority. Love, I mean, it, yeah. yeah, I mean, he, his his mission is is not to uh, find the original meaning of the Quran of the Bible. His mission is to bring peace and harmony, and and all this horrendous thing that you just look at CNN every day. That's that's his mission. It, it's 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 to avoid bombings and the massacres. He finds that more important than, than famine and disease. He finds that more important than having the pristine 
uh, original revelation, which we will not have anyway because of the fog of history. It seems like it would be more accurate to just present the Baha'u'llah as the one true and accurate, at least for today, you know, the the one true prophet of God, because we don't know what these other guys taught anyway, so why don't we just listen to Baha'u'llah and not bother with um, all of this idea about, well, you know, I mean, it's one thing to say these various guys were prophets, but if we don't know what they actually taught, I mean, it seems like, why don't we just get rid of those and just listen to the Baha'u'llah, and if he, if he grabbed some truth that they happen to say, well, okay, but it, it doesn't really matter what they said. It's what the Baha'u'llah says. I mean, it just seems like he's a prophet, and you're left with saying, how do I know he's a prophet? Well, we look at his writings and his life, and all these other religions have their prophets. I mean, people follow prophets all over the world, and they're going to say, I think, essentially the same thing. Well, look at his writings, look at his life, uh, and we're left with, is there... I mean, is there some sort of objective standard by which we can judge among the prophets? Their lives and their teachings. Did they display the character of God in, in their lives and teachings? And how do we know the character of God? Well, Romans chapter 2, right? Well, that, I mean, that wasn't written by the Baha'i. That's, I mean, potential, I mean... If, if we're going to if we're going to go to scripture as an authority, I'm just I'm just looking for what the uh, the authoritative, uh, you know, what's what's the bottom line uh, authority, objective truth by which we can judge the world. Well, basically, it, this is again my understanding. It, do we believe that God is is the creator and reveals His will to humanity or not? If we believe that, then He's going to do it in a certain fashion and. We believe that that's through manifestations to people that receive his his knowledge and his will and and give it to us. And if there is, and we call them prophets. And if Baha'u'llah is not a prophet with his kind of life or with his kind of writings, then there are no prophets. Then it's just a lie and but illusion. Then, but yeah, if he, right. But then if on what basis, enough, right? If his life is not enough. Then nothing is enough. You've got a bit of a circular argument going there. Well, so we believe in God, and if, if God's going to reveal himself to us, then he's going to send prophets. Well, how do we know that, right? I mean, how do we know? And, and if uh, and what are those well, prophets going to look like? Is going to write in the stars? I mean, well, I, mean, I, I don't know. I, mean, if, if you're ta- I don't know. I mean, that's what I'm saying. There's a, it seems like uh, there's a... Uh, the, the Christian view of Revelation is broader than that, although it certainly accepts that God is incarnational and sends prophets, but... Anyway, all right. Well, that's that's interesting stuff, Henry. I appreciate you. Uh, I, I wasn't okay. I wasn't aware of all that. Um, anything you want to add in closing that uh, that you're that you think is important that we may have missed here in the show? I, I think what we said was was again. I'm appealing to I'm, I'm I'm underlining my ignorance. So if I was not able to answer you correctly, it's because I am not able to answer you correctly, not because Baha'u'llah is not able. And again, I appeal every or your your listeners to just investigate for themselves, read the writings, uh, read his biographies, see how he lived, how he dealt with adversity and uh, all his challenges. And if that's not enough, then, well, you may as well be an atheist. <laughs> hey, thank you for calling in, Henry. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. Thanks for sharing with us uh, a little insight into the Baha'i religion, and uh, hopefully we can chat again sometime.
I would love to. Thank you very much, Don. All right. Thanks, Henry. Have a great day. You too. All right, that's going to do it for us uh, on the Don Johnson Show this week. I think we are off next week for Thanksgiving, but we should be back after that. With uh, Brandon, you can go to donjohnsonministries.org for more information. You can find uh, all the old podcasts. You can find uh, my latest book is available there on Amazon. All sorts of things. And you can email me, don at donjohnsonministries.org. Always look forward to hearing from you, and we will see you next time.